Josh. Hey, Dave, what's up? Wait, Good hold morning. on. Yeah. Isn't this the first time our listeners are hearing to us as SLA is one year old? That is awesome. Just had to start that <laughs> off like that. Just had to start that off. You know, Dave has spoke to me. He's like, you know, Josh, we, we really shouldn't be um, like kind of tooting our horn and stuff. But this time, I'm sorry. I'm not just tooting the horn. I'm slamming the horn. Yeah, we have baby one year. Okay, got that out of my system, folks. J- Josh, got it out. Did you want me to put in like a like a truck horn sound? Yeah, for yeah. That? yeah let, we're gonna have to put a truck horn on that. It's gonna be All awesome. Right. So when you hear it, you're gonna hear the burp, burp, honk, yeah. honk. Also, honk. It's, it's amazing we have this much energy because it's eight a.m. right now because we we got here early. Yeah, and we we're got recording some going this on. right now, eight a.m. Breaking the rules right now. We're doing yeah. It in the morning. So the thank fact, you, thank you for doing that, Josh. No problem. We, oh, but like the fact that there's no coffee involved in this energy. Yeah, actually, it's the, really amazing. I, it's, I didn't tell you why, but the but the reason why is because tomorrow morning, um, my my sister's getting married. I'm actually walking her down the aisle. Oh, that, okay. Well, that's where your energy is so, from. Right? That's where Dave's energy is from. Well, I got a lot going on, and I, 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 I need to find my brown belt and my brown shoes, which I don't know where they are, man. So I, I asked you to come in early instead of stay late. Ah, okay, so that's the reason. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty much a wardrobe right. issue. So um, anyway, I wasn't able to really be part. Of, we did a recall inter- Dave did a recall interview, which um, is going to follow this little banter thing, right? Unfortunately, I could not be a part of it because I, lucky me, on on the SLA one year anniversary, what did I get for the first time in my life? The flu. That's right. Out every day in every year of my life, that's 26 years, the one day I get the flu is the <laughs> one year. So, yeah, that that, that stunk. Uh, that really stunk. Josh but, was super sick. Like, yeah. really the, the, sick. Yeah, it, it, got, it was horrible. The, the only, like, I like to, like, look and try to find a positive. The only positive, though, was honestly, like, I got lots of messages from people saying, hey, I hope you feel better. And they're, like, from all over the country. So that that was really cool. That's cool. That'll make you feel yeah. better, right? Yeah, but but other than that, it was it was really bad. It well, was, also you got to give a shout out and some credit to your mom because yeah, she did she make you me, leave your apartment and come back home and and yeah, uh, and, yeah. Uh, so that that was nice. So thank you, mom. <laughs> and, and she got me a little SLA one year cake. But yeah, yeah. shout out to Mama Mursky for making him that Mama giving Mursky, giving him that a uh, custom cake in bed that yeah, said that, SLA that awesome. one year. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was really cool. I was moved by that. That was nice. Yeah. So anyway, um, so Dave sent me some of the episode you got here today, last night. I heard it, and it's with Mr. Jay Ruderman of the Ruderman Family Foundation. And I was listening to some of it, and you know, it's really cool. But it's not just that. Like this guy has his own podcast, right? And he talks about some seriously like, deep issues, and all of them. They're just really moving, but one in particular, which I just want to talk about real fast, like which really moved me, was in one of his podcast episodes, he's talking about self-driving cars, and the reason it moves me is because I kind of connect with Mr. Ruderman in this, in the sense that he's talking about it, and a lot of times when people talk about something new, they only see the negative, like, oh no, self-driving cars is going to replace the whole industry, but... Mr. Ruderman, when he was talking about this, he was talking about the the realistic positives. That, oh no, it's not negative. It's going to create, like, help a whole bunch of people. Um, realistically, the industry, they, ex- they expect this technology to roll in, no pun intended, by blah, 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 blah. And it was just, 
I was like, this guy gets it. Like, realistic positivity. Like, so when I listened to that particular episode of his podcast, I was kind of, like, blown away. And I was real upset that I couldn't actually get to talk to him and interview him with Dave because I kind of feel like this guy gets what I realistic positivity. We have a lot in common with Jay Ruderman. Yeah, so... um, you know, our ideals are, are really similar and, you know, we're doing different work, but it definitely complements yeah. each other. And um, it was really, really cool. Different to ways, but we're all on the same team. Yeah. yeah. And if, team anyone, if anyone heard of the open letter to Hollywood recently that was signed by like Mark Ruffalo. And yeah. The, the, like the MCU Incredible uh, Hulk. I about, mean, about, wow. about inclusion um, in, in uh, casting of shows and, and movies. Um, yeah. That was all the Ruderman Family Foundation. Let me just that. like break that down for like, so just so everyone knows like basically imagine a show and if the person has a disability that character will be played by a, the per, a actual person with that disability. Like that is what Mr. Ruderman is trying to achieve. And I mean I don't know about you but I find that extremely like noble and like just a just a great idea. So. Yeah, it's 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 really important work, and uh, yeah, it was really cool to talk to him about it. Uh, besides that, we got the hats on sale finally. Oh that- yeah, yeah, <coughs> folks, seriously, these hats are amazing. I I um wear them a lot because I I've been wearing mine since before we put them on sale, and I kid you not, the first time I wore it, I walked into a deli, and this man looked up, looked at my silly shirt, but then he looked at my hat, and his eyes got like froze on it for like ten seconds. I was like, oh, what sounds like autism? The first day I ever wore the hat, the first place I ever entered, that deli. And if it, that hat's able to do that, when you wear that hat, you are a yeah. representative of LA. And we're, we're that with pride when you get your hat, seriously. And also, I started off at um, Spectrum. The first thing I ever did was I made hats. So when he was we the first started embroidery guy. Yeah. Yeah. So when we first Dave and I first started SLA, the first thing I was like I was like, Hey man, I wanna make hats. So when you wear this I mean yeah, this is a lot. So uh Yeah, it actually ties into our TED talk. There's that whole part about yeah, the, us using yeah, the hats. analogies about airplanes to, to make hats on the embroidery machine. Um so it's so it's kind of when you get your hat and when you become kind of like an ambassador, thank you for wearing that. Personally, I'm just saying thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I guess I guess that's pretty much it. I, I look forward to um, you know having a a longer episode with with you soon. But uh, it was really cool to do kind of a deep dive, and this is a deep dive that yeah. uh, Jay Ruderman and I go into about inclusion. Um, we talk about a lot of issues, and um, and they're important, and. Um, this is the kind of work that Josh and I started SLA for. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really have our finger on it at the time on exactly what it was about. We had, we had the heart and we had, we had a general idea of what we needed to do, but we didn't really know what we were working towards. We've been kind of honing in on that for a while. And I'd say once we started prepping for Ted, we really started to, to get it. Yeah. Um, and, and Jay, Jay gets it, and Jay's been getting it, and uh, it was a real. It and was he's real, acting on it too. Yeah, it was a real thrill to talk to him. So, um, yeah, Josh. Yeah, I mean, so without further ado, um, here is the Jay Ruderman interview, and man, I really wish I could have been part of this one. 
All right, folks, as promised, uh, we are down a man today. Josh has the flu, but that doesn't stop SLA. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, some sort of uh, do-gooder plague has, has uh, ravaged the city and the nonprofit world, but we still have uh, Jay Ruderman of the Ruderman Family Foundation on, and we are so thrilled to have him. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for coming on Sounds Like Autism. Thank you for having me, and I'm sorry that Josh is not feeling well. Oh yeah, no, he, he'll be he'll be thankful that you said that. Um, I just to to dive right in. Um, let me let me just tell you how we heard ab about your initiatives and about the Ruderman Family Foundation. Sure. Um, I'm sure you noticed, but um, in the past month or so, in late 2019, uh, there were headlines all over the place about this open letter to Hollywood, um, right. and and. Uh, Danny DeVito and Mark Ruffalo and all these other big A-list celebrities were signing this letter. And, uh, you know, the Ruderman Family Foundation wasn't, wasn't named in any of the headlines, but I did some digging because I thought it was such an incredible project. Um, and and I, found, I found you guys and, and uh, was lucky enough to get in touch with, with one of your people. And we've been emailing back and forth forever about okay. 40 emails back and forth, uh, and we can, we can get into that, but why don't you explain a little bit about what the Ruderman Family Foundation is? What do you do? Okay, so the foundation has been around for a couple of decades now. We're based in Boston, um, but we're an international organization. We have an office in Israel and Washington, D.C. Uh, we, I would describe our, ourselves as a combination of um, a philanthropic programmatic organization and an advocacy organization. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we have invested in programs around the world that, that foster uh, inclusive education and inclusive workforce and including people with disabilities in every aspect of, of the community, including religious life. Um, but in addition, we do speak out quite often when people make statements or act in ways that a, are derogatory towards people with disabilities. We produced um, a dozen white papers on various uh, topics uh, facing discrimination that people with disabilities uh, face in society. Um, and uh, we've taken a lot of action over, I would say, the past four years in Hollywood to really get authentic representation of disability on the agenda for, for Hollywood. And I think we've had some success and I, th I, I see things going um, in a positive direction, albeit a little bit slowly. Yeah, yeah, it seems like that's been what's uh, been getting a lot of attention. But as you said, you've, you've, you're, you've spearheaded a, a number of initiatives. Why? I, I have to ask, you know, I don't come from, from a, a family that has a foundation per se, but why, why, why disability inclusion, sure. and 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 what is the reason why, uh, what is, what is the gas behind all this energy that you're putting towards this project? Why, why have the Ruderman Family Foundation, and why inclusion? So it all goes back to around the year 2000. Uh, we got involved in a very large um, educational initiative, and. Um, the, the aspect that we were drawn to was the lack of inclusion of people and children with disabilities in the educational system. Um, for us at the time, it was an issue of fairness. You know, we, even within some families, some brothers and sisters would be able to participate in schooling and some of them would not be able to participate in inclusive in schooling. 
you know, now we're involved for a couple of decades and uh, I have a nephew um, with autism and I have um, children with um, uh, ADD and, and, and my dad actually passed away from a, a disease which, which made him uh, disabled, a rare disease called alpha-1 antitrypsin. So I, I think the point is that disability impacts every single family in the world. And at the time that we got involved, we weren't really didn't feel like we were personally impacted, but obviously, you know, we have been. Um, I, I see it as a civil rights issue. You know, 20% of the population has some form of a disability, um, and yet people with disabilities are the poorest uh, and most disenfranchised part of our population. So um, my background personally is I'm an attorney, um, uh, public policy guy involved in politics mm -hmm. and when i took over running the family foundation i really was drawn to the advocacy aspect of it and initially we tried to do advocacy through our partner organizations and then eventually gradually came to the point where we now do our advocacy in-house um and and we've seen you know a great deal of changes uh, things that i never thought would happen and some of them you know, were very quick to happen. Like for example, we contacted Major League Baseball and we said, you know, you should really change the term, the disabled list to the injured list. And they said, yeah, you're right. You know, it's been around for a hundred years. That's what we've yeah. called you know, players who are hurt, but they're not really permanently disabled. And, and that was a very quick change. Um, and we've had, you know, other successes um, such as that, for example, in the Olympics, uh, Olympians were being paid much more than Paralympians. And we um, petitioned the uh, US Olympic Committee until they agreed to have parity in pay between Paralympians and Olympians. Mm -hmm. So um, those are some great wins. Um, I think in the entertainment world, the wins have been slower. Uh, it's, it's, it's a massive, very diverse, industry but i think an industry that's attuned to diversity and, and diversity so far has meant gender and sexual orientation and race um but we've sort of spearheaded the disability aspect of it and i think yeah. we're slowly making progress yeah i i think as far as uh the entertainment industry you when you ask one person individually something about a certain opinion or value like do you think that people with disabilities should be played by people with disabilities individually everyone's answer is yes but it's a matter of of finding the the few people that are actually in charge and uh whose pockets are affected and who um maybe don't really you know maybe some of those people don't really care that much right. uh whereas some of these bigger organizations with with that have, that have hashed out all these um, many other issues over many years, you know, the, like the MLB that I read in history class, about, I don't know much about baseball. I don't really care about sports, but one of my biggest memories in school was learning about Jackie Robinson. And, you know, so uh, these, these are, you're right. It is a civil rights issue. I a hundred percent agree. And, and just because, they haven't had the difficult conversation around disability yet doesn't mean they haven't had difficult conversations before right, right. whereas in hollywood you have you know who knows you know, i don't want to say who knows who you're talking to but 
it's it's not like you're talking to the Olympics with these committees and these boards and like all this history and all this precedent and you know that they know they'll be in the history books. In Hollywood, it's more of a it's a fast industry with a lot of turnover and a lot of you know uh, a lot of companies and and that's that's what I think is so cool about that particular initiative for me. It's because it's massive. I mean, I mean, it's, it's such a, it's not just tackling, just tackling one company, like a major production company or something would be hard, but tackling an entire industry is, is amazing. And, and it reminds me of, um, there's this saying about, uh, when you're, when you're chopping down a tree, but not with a saw, but with a wedge, like with a hammer and a wedge. And it's, you know, you're the edge of the wedge. Right. You know, the, like the, the narrow end of the wedge. And as long as you're digging in slowly and getting somewhere, the tree's going to fall, you know? Right. Um, it's, it's incredibly important work that you're doing. And um, we see things happening very, very quickly all over the place with regards to employment, with regards to Hollywood, with regards to sports. Right. Um, and it's, it's so cool to be on the forefront of it alongside uh, organizations like yours. Well, I would say that, um, you know, in, with disability, you have to look at the history of disability. And I like to recommend a book uh, by Tim Shriver called Fully Alive, which, which really encapsulates um, the impact in the Kennedy family that Rosemary Kennedy had. She was um, one of the Kennedy children who had a disability, but how, how impactful she was on all the members of the Kennedy family. Um, but if you, it looks at the history of people with disabilities in... Um, the United States. And, and historically, people were institutionalized, uh, segregated into sheltered workshops and separate uh, education and separate housing. And um, now we're sort of emerging into a more inclusive space, but not fully emerged. Um, and, and so there's challenges. There's challenges in businesses across the board. I always feel that the leaders in the business world are people who have a personal connection to disability. They themselves are, are disabled or they have a, a, a sibling or, or, or a child or a grandchild. They really become the leaders in, the, in their field. Um, but you know, regarding Hollywood, um, <clears throat> I think Hollywood is a responsible industry, even though it's a money-making industry, I think, I think they, they want to do the right thing. And if you look at different communities and how far they've come, like for example, when I, when I was growing up, um, you would have a Western and the American Indian character was played by a Hispanic person, actor, mm-hmm. or even a white actor who was um, painted to look like an American Indian. Mm-hmm. Um, going way back, um, you know, you would have actors in blackface, but now you have, you know, a very strong African-American um, um, f- group of actors and, and directors and producers and, and the same thing in the Asian community and the Hispanic community. The disability community is the weakest community in Hollywood. Um, but we've, take several, we've taken several steps to try to work with others we're activists to really um, put more attention on that community. So we started out by being very critical at the um, representation of disability by actors who are able-bodied. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that drew a lot of controversy because some of these actors like Alec Baldwin are very famous. And, and so you're criticizing them for, or 
Brian Cranston um, for for playing uh, a character with disability, and that generates a lot of celebrity news, which 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 whips around Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, we went from that to really you know proving the case and putting out some white papers, and um, our first white paper found that ninety five percent of all characters playing disability um, are able bodied characters, <clears throat> and so you know what's happening different from disability than, than other minority groups, is it seen as not only acceptable, but great acting for people to play disability. Right. And, and in fact, in the last three, 30 years, half of the men have won the best actor Oscar have won for playing a character with a disability. Wow. So there, there are huge hurdles to overcome. Um, and then we went from like making the academic case and making the economic case. We did a, a white paper on marketability and how more people in the United States would like to see authentic representation to moving to giving out awards. Uh, we give out the, um, the Ruderman seal of approval to television shows and movies that do have accurate, accurate representation of disability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, we, then we, we went to the studios and we said, listen, all we're going to ask you to do is audition characters with disabilities, actors with disabilities. And CBS agreed to sign our, 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 um, our petition. And they were the first major studios. We're in discussion with others, other studios. And now lately we've moved on to partnering with the Sundance Film Festival. We're gonna partner with the Oscars. Um, this open letter that you mentioned um, was a project where we've just contacted many, many different uh, A-list celebrities uh, and actors and said, you know, will you get behind the authentic representation of disability? And, and I think that that's generated some press. So we work a tremendous amount with the media trying to get Hollywood to rethink the portrayal of disability. And, and where do we want to get? We want to get to the place where if you see someone who, is not, who does not have a disability playing a disability, it's going to seem unnatural. Yeah. The, same, the same way that, that if you saw someone who was an African-American or someone who was an Asian playing that type of character, mm-hmm. that you would, you would have a backlash. So we're not there yet. I don't see the backlash, but that's where we're, that's where we're trying to get to. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that Josh and I didn't realize how passionate we were about until we started looking into guests for this podcast when we first started. And I don't know who, you, who you've who uh, you heard about us having on and who you haven't, but we've had people from Netflix is atypical and we've had people mm-hmm. from, from different, from uh, Pixar because they've had two shorts recently um, that surround, um, you know, issues related to disability and autism specifically, actually. Um, and we, we realized that, you know, I think it was Josh who said it first that this is a civil rights issue and representation is something that when, when you don't, you don't think about, often you don't think about it until you don't have it. Right. And, and um, once we started really thinking about it and realizing who's telling our stories, um, it, it became something that we were extremely passionate about. And I think that that's part of the, the beauty of our podcast, obviously, unfortunately not today, but in that we're an inclusive duo um, and, and we don't really work well without each other. Uh, there's kind of it's kind of a microcosm of what we we like to think of society being like is that people don't realize 
all the people with invisible invisible disabilities that sure. really add to the the cultural fabric and the the fabric of the workplace and 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 wherever um, we we see ourselves in that way and we want to we want to kind of showcase that for the world and say this is where it's at you know brushing people to the side and letting other people step in for them is not is is not where it's at um, so talk to me a little bit about that because again this is how i this is how i first really uh started looking into uh your foundation um mm-hmm. and and it, it was it was a real i i can really appreciate the the value of a good headline and i thought that this was a beautifully constructed project this open letter to hollywood tell me about um your experience as a foundation reaching out to celebrities and also did you see, do you see when, when, when interfacing with Hollywood, whether it's, you know, performers and celebrities themselves or with production companies, um, do you see a divide like generally, generationally or anywhere else as far as how quick people are to pick up on what you're saying and, and agree with you and want to get behind it? So I would say a couple of things. First of all, I, I totally agree with you. And, and, you know, when we've approached any issue, I believe in the, in the, in the saying nothing about us without us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I represent a foundation. We put a lot of resources towards disability rights. Um, but we always work with people who are leaders in the field who they themselves are disability activists. So in terms of, of Hollywood, you know, we'll work with Danny Woodburn, who is uh, a character actor and well-known for many years, I guess perhaps well-known, most well-known for a reoccurring role in Seinfeld, where he is a little person and and has has a recognizable role. But we work with RJ Mitty, who is in a show called Breaking Bad. Um, And we work with Marley Matlin, who is the only living um, person with a disability to have won um, an Oscar. Uh, for Best Actress, uh, for Children of a Lesser God. So we have many different allies within the industry, Um, and not just actors, also, you know, producers. um, We're about to give, we give an award every year called the Morton Ruderman Award in uh, Inclusion, and we've given it to Senator Tom Harkin and and, um, Michael Phelps and uh, Marley Matlin. And and this year we're going to give it to the Farley brothers, Peter and Bobby Farley, who Mm -hmm. have done a great job at putting people with disabilities in in their films. So um, there are a lot of allies out there. We tend to work with uh, a big tent. Um, I do think the industry, one, is receptive to diversity and two, um, I think is more influential than perhaps any other industry in changing social attitudes. And if you go back, like there are shows like Ellen or Will and Grace that really change popular perception of the LBGTQ community. Um, and of course, like Black Panther and Crazy Rich Asians, are a couple of movies that really change the dynamics of the portrayal of, of those communities in film. So, you know, disability... We don't have the blockbuster yet, but there was a film called, or that's out there right now, called Peanut Butter Falcon mm-hmm. uh, with Zach Gottesman, um, you know, plays one of the lead characters. He, he, he's a person with Down syndrome and that film is doing very well. Um, and there are, sh- there are many, many shows on, on TV like Rami and, and, you know, I could give you a whole list of them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's coming around. Also, the streaming services, um, I think, are putting pressure on the networks because there's so much content out there. And I do think that we're in a we're in a phase in history where people want to see authenticity. Mm-hmm. So it's happening. You know, it's like pushing the, the 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 boulder up the hill. We're not at the tipping point, but we're 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 getting there. Um, and having said that, the, on the other side is people saying, well, you know, playing a disability is great acting. Um, and so you have to come up against that. We're also doing things like we invest in the Yale Drama School, you know, to have uh, people with disabilities be able to participate in one of the, the, the foremost drama schools in the country. So we're trying all of these entrepreneurial approaches really to move the issue forward. And we are since we're an advocacy organization, a lot of what we do is out in the media. So, mm-hmm. and a lot of the media is targeted towards the entertainment industry. So the Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, uh, Variety, you know, we're looking to speak to people who are decision makers in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you make a really good point. Um, as soon as you said, Ellen, bells started ringing in my head because um, that was one of my, you know, I'm, I'm 33 years old. That was one of my first uh, real formal introductions into just the world of LGBTQ plus, you know, uh, that I had, uh, I was watching that sitcom for several seasons with my family. And then I will, I will never forget. I can tell you the exact scene that she came out in the airport uh, over the PA system. Right. And that, and it, it gave me chills then and it gives me chills now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can never, um, underestimate how or underexplain how important media is to to people, but especially to young people, to right. the to the 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 sponges that are the uh, the mind of of a young person, and right. how important exposure is. And you know, growing up in the '90s, I in hindsight, it wasn't that great. But those right. those moments, those aha moments that I had, stuck with me. So yes, hopefully, so hopefully, you know, we'll have more and more of those moments for, for people now. Right. You know? And you mentioned the generational aspect. So if you're of a certain generation, people with disabilities were, were segregated or institutionalized. So you didn't really have people with disabilities. Even if they were in your own family, they didn't live with you. They weren't part of your daily lives or your schooling or your, your, your employment situation. I think with younger people, um, that's different. They're more used to diversity. I think they come to accept it. I think it's not a big deal for a person with a disability to be, you know, part of their company. Um, so I think that that's that's also a change. And I think I do think the entertainment industry will go where where the money is. So if they think that authentic representation is the way to go, mm-hmm. you're going to see more and more of it. And if shows that 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 have authentic representation do really well they'll be copied. Do you think that we'll get to a point where, um, I know you said that it, we, your goal is to get to a point where um, a character being played by someone without that disability of that character um, would seem kind of foreign to you or, or strange. Right. Do you think that we'd get to a point where it would be seen as like, a how dare you put someone on the screen like that, like blackface or something like that? Do you think that I think, that I think we're going to get there. I think the, the disability community will use a term called crip face and, and, and will be very critical of, of, you know, many of these roles. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think we're going to get to a point where it's, where it seems unnatural 
if you see that type of portrayal. I think it's mm. gonna ta- it's gonna take a while. There's still an old guard in Hollywood that 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 is needs a little bit more convincing. Um, but all of this stuff sort of like snowballs together. So mm-hmm. the open letter and CBS coming out and being the first studio and 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 the white papers really documenting the case and and us speaking out, you know, very strongly about some to generate a conversation. Mm-hmm. I think it all blends together. Um, and then the next step, you know, of working with major um, film um, uh, festivals like Sundance or working with the Oscars to really put this on the agenda where it hasn't been on the agenda before is, is, is going to get to the point where um, this can only grow. And, and that's really what, I mean, we don't invest in movies. You know, we're not producers. Uh, I'm not of the film industry. I'm based in Boston. So for us, it's a purely advocacy issue. Right. And, and, and I think that that is respected in the industry that, you know, we don't, we don't have a monetary gain out of this whole thing. Right. We're just trying to be, you know, good advocates. Um, but listen, there, there are good, there are, there are great days and there are down days and, and, you know, you can't, it's like, you know, you keep your eyes on the prize and, you know, you work as hard as you can um, and you hope to see change and you, and you try to make allies. Um, but, you know, when is change going to happen? You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. You know, we're asking right now just to include more people in your casting. Um, yeah. And by the way, you know, the, like the, the Casting Society of America is an ally. Um, you know, people are, are attuned to this issue. Um, and we'll get there. We, we will get there. What, what would you say to someone, and it's not me who's saying it, but what would you say to someone who said, where, who asks, where's the line? So like, uh, you know, is it arthritis? Can someone play, uh, you know, what about non-apparent disabilities like ADHD or, or something like that, where, um, you know, character actors play people who aren't them. So is, is there a line for you? Is that, is it just about the way in which characters are being portrayed? Um, or, or is it just, you know, cut and dry, black and white? So we're not cut and dry, although we have raised issues that were, that were you know, we wanted to be very controversial. Um, I do think that um, it's an issue of, of representation. It's an issue of fairness and opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's not so much an issue of, gee, does every character at this point in time in 2020 portraying a disability have to be played with the, by a disability. I agree. But you, you can do many things to get to the point because what, what you'll hear from the industry is, well, we need to have a star, you know, in order to promote this. Well, the fact of the matter is, um, Peanut Butter Falcon, Zach Ottisman was, was one of the main characters, but they had supporting cast of Shia LaBeouf and, and um, Dakota Johnson that really gave the gravitas to that film. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's not a cut and dry issue, but I do think what, what can happen is, is when you see a movie or a television show, there's a lot of extras. Um, there are people, you know, five lines or less, um, and they're in the background. There's no reason that you can't have a person in a wheelchair, a person with cerebral palsy or, or, you know, down syndrome, because if you look at American society, American society is, is very diverse. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if you're going to say, 
well, listen, you know, like for example, last night I was with uh, some friends and someone asked me, he's like, well, can a person with disability actually play a disability? And I'm like, well, of course they can because that's who they are. That's like saying, you know, for example, can an Asian person actually play an Asian character? Right. You know, it's, it's a very derogatory sort of way of looking at it by saying, you know, people with disabilities really can't, you know, I, I can make the same analogy. They really can't work. They really can't, you know, study. They really can't go to school. And all of that is nonsense. You know, everyone has the ability, like I saw in your TED Talk, everyone has the ability to, to contribute to society. Yeah. We, we just have to be more creative and in including them. And, and, and by the way, you know, we lose out billions of dollars in our economy by not employing people with disabilities. Right. You know, the unemployment rate in America is under 4%. For people with disabilities, it's around 75, 80%. Yeah. That's ridiculous in, in, in one of the strongest economies in the world. We always say it's not necessarily – at Spectrum Designs Foundation and the Nicholas Center, uh, we always say it's it's not necessarily charity, you know, making sure that people with disabilities are employed. It's really the opposite. It's turning trainees into taxpayers. It's turning people with no right. work experience into people that are really contributing not just their incredible work because they do have plenty of incredible work to offer, but it's getting them, you know – independent and and off the off the um the dependence of the state which is which is you know not a not a selfless act at all that's actually right. just you know creating self-reliance is is doesn't need to be seen as as charity it's just the right thing to do it's just what we should be doing right yeah and not only that but i think that there are there are skills um, that some people with disabilities have that are very particular that can be taken advantage of. I'll give you an example. Like, for example, um, there's a job in the Israeli army to track mm -hmm. military equipment. And they have a unit where people with autism uh, work in that unit because they have a skill to be able to focus and to track those um, you know, military equipment throughout the country and that, and, and so the, the army has taken advantage of that of that skill. Um, yes. I think we have to look at people's skills and what they can do, and how they can contribute, and not just dismiss someone because of their disability, because that that's prejudice and that's just not approaching and not taking full advantage of of, of people's skills. Yeah, it reminds me of the whole. Um we really don't like the whole, and I'm using air quotes for the podcast listeners here, but the high functioning, low functioning um, terminology, because what is high functioning and low functioning? I, I have individuals that work for me that are, that have never spoken a word out loud in their entire life that um, have certain obsessive compulsive tendencies that would make it extremely challenging to be at a, a less um, empathetic workplace, but, but can, alphabetize a pile of papers faster than you or I ever could or have better fine motor skills than, you know, so am I low functioning when it comes to embroidery? I guess if, if that person is low functioning when it comes to speaking, you know, it's not really a fair, the, the metrics that we're working with when we're talking about human existence are, are not, are not really fair. They're stacked up, you know, they're stacked against certain people that right. have plenty to contribute and our people. So we right. really shouldn't be talking about, about them that way. Right. Um, right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, it, it's really fascinating. Do you, do you ever, con does, does Ruderman Family Foundation ever concentrate on employment, on hiring initiatives? 
uh, besides Hollywood? Um, sure. So we have uh, main initiatives in the Boston area um, <coughs> that we've created that we work with. Um, we have worked with companies called Best Buddies. Mm -hmm. um, we've worked with uh, Bridges to Work, which is uh, sponsored by the Marriott Foundation. Um, in Israel, we have a major initiative with, with, with employment. And yeah, we, I feel employment is the key factor to being included in society. You know, in, in, in the United States, in most states, you're funded throughout school until the age of 21, and then you're dropped off and at that point, most people find themselves at home or institutions, um, not working. Mm -hmm. That's a failure of our society. We don't have to get there. So, um, you know, companies like um, the Marriott Corporation and, and the Marriott brothers had a brother who passed away with, with a disability. So, you know, they are very serious about, you know, employing people with disabilities and, and, and do that all over the country. Uh, the Farley brothers that I mentioned had a very good friend who was involved in an accident, became um, a quadriplegic, and, and they put him in many of his movies and then put other people with disabilities. When you have that personal connection, you say, okay, this is a human being. Who's my brother? Who's my best friend? And they have something to contribute. And I'm going to take a leadership role and make sure there's inclusion. Mm -hmm. The problem that we have is when you meet an elected official or uh, a business leader, and you make the case to them about including people with disabilities and what they can add to your workforce, and they don't get it. And they're like, you know, well, I don't understand. This is gonna be a drag on our workforce. It's actually the opposite. You know, story after story that we hear when, when a person with a disability is part of a workforce, that workforce is empowered and, and, and brought up. And, and people feel like they're working in a place that have values that are more than just the bottom line, that they care about who they're hiring. And, and that's, you have to make that case. You need some leadership out there. Mm -hmm. we, don't have, we don't have enough of it. We don't have enough of it from our government. Um, you know, uh, and, 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 and we should demand that as Americans. Yeah. We, uh, we, we definitely, you know, you're preaching to the choir here, uh, but really, really well said. Um, it, in here in Port Washington in New York, uh, as I alluded to earlier, we we run a, a nonprofit called well two nonprofits. One is called Spectrum Designs Foundation, and we uh, we offer employment opportunities to people with autism and related conditions in the apparel decoration field. So we are mm -hmm. we are playing to people's strengths, and that it's very well suited to people who to a, a population of people who many of them tend to be very artistic, uh, many of them tend to have very, very good fine motor skills, mm -hmm. great retention and memory. Um, they like to get their hands dirty, you know, n now some, not all that, you know, you could pick certain, certain um, as aspects of, of, of all employees, but um, it's a, it's a well-suited industry. And then we have Nicholas Center, which is the separate but exclusive partner agency that provides um, direct support to the individuals on the shop floor. Mm -hmm. um, and for, I, I run the Nicholas Center, which is which is that agency, mm -hmm. and um, for neurotypical or non-disabled people from both agencies, whether it's Spectrum Designs Foundation or the Nicholas Center, um, one once they start, they always say, "This is the." 
the best work environment that I've ever worked in. Uh, we've had people come as screen printers or embroidery people from other companies that aren't nonprofits and don't have the same mission. And all of a sudden they're screen printing for good or they're doing graphic design for good. And it's, um, it's a, a life-changing experience for people who were working, you know, somewhere where they were drinking indoors and smoking indoors a few months ago. And now they're uh, working in this environment that's lifting people up and, and, um, and has all these accommodations that don't just benefit the individuals with disabilities, but benefit the entire, the, the entire workforce, like the volume of the machines and, you know, the color codings on the walls and, and things like that, organizational things or um, sensory, sensory stuff that makes it by far the best screen printing shop to work in in the world. Right. And, and besides that, then you have the people, you know, and, and I can't say enough about the, uh, the, the group of people that happens to be the most loyal and empathetic and kind and hardworking and dedicated group of people that I've ever known. And they, they, they raised the bar, not just out of sympathy or something like that. They raised the bar because of their, who they are, you know? So I think that, that that's the key point that you have to make is, is we have to look at, at everyone as a human being and, and every human being has something to contribute to our society. And, and if we look at their disability, and start discounting what they can't do, mm -hmm. you're just gonna make excuses for them not to be included in our society. And, and work, or what we do for our profession, is a key part of who we are. You know, work, work and family and relationships. Um, and if you take that away from people by not providing them the opportunities that they can't work, and they are not, they're denied relationships and not connected to their families in some instances, you know, you're regulating a very significant part of our population to um, really a, re a really bad place. And that, that's, not, that's not who we should be about, not because of charity, but because we're not taking full advantage of all of our resources. I agree, I agree. It, uh, I, this, is, this is probably, <laughs> forgive me for, for giggling, this is, I feel like I'm talking to like a, what I aspire to be like a future uh, version of myself <laughs> because the work that you're doing is just so, so cool. And, and uh, uh, it's like, it's like uh, speaking into a mirror as far as um, you know, your, your worldview on, on some of these things, despite our very different um, you know, work histories and, 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 right. and things um, that it's really, really interesting. Um, I, will, I will say that there's a, um, you know, when you deal with powers to be in our society, and, and we're really in a capitalist society, uh, many of the, the movers and shakers are people of, of, of wealth, and mm -hmm. they're, they're working in the for-profit world. The for-profit world is determined with a very easily, easy formula. You're either making money or you're losing money. Mm -hmm. um, in the nonprofit world, when you're championing a cause or working with others to move a cause forward, it's a much, the, the work is much, much more difficult because change is not seen overnight. And it's also not like a political campaign. <clears throat> You're not seeing within six months or a year, a win or a loss. Mm -hmm. This could be, you know, decades and decades of working 
and not really seeing the change. So I would say, what is the special sauce that, that the Ruderman Family Foundation brings besides, you know, trying to be strategic funders and, and mm. really, but, you know, really working, you know, through the media and, and challenging, you know, almost on a daily basis, society to say, hey, this is a community, don't ignore them, mm-hmm. they're out there, they, they have their own power. I mean, I always believe that because of the numbers of disability, now we're talking very broadly from a learning disability right. to a physical trauma that someone might have received, you know, as a combat um, soldier and everything in between, but collectively, the disability community, if they work together, would be the most powerful political force on the planet. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, what happens in the disability community is we tend to identify by disability, which I always said is a mistake. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I, I just I think there's huge potential out there, but it really takes some collective leadership. Yeah. I mean, if you think about some of the biggest and most successful lobbying organizations um, in the United States, like AARP, everyone over a certain right. age, just, right. you know, and that's what they have in common. And that's all they need to have in common. Right. And, and what the kind of strides that they've made, um, you know, and, and how they've benefited as a population. Um, it's almost like people with disabilities need an AARP. Right. Right. I, I wish the community, my one wish is the community would be a little bit more united mm-hmm. and realize that the, that the barriers that many of them face are very, very similar. You know, yes. you, could, you could have cerebral palsy, you could have autism, you could, you could have lost a limb, you know, fighting in Iraq or, or Afghanistan, but you face many, many of the same barriers. There's a tremendous amount of stigma. You know, I'll tell you, like we work a lot on mental health we came out with a white paper that more police and firefighters die by suicide than in the line of duty, which is sort of shocking because you figure a police fu- or a firefighter, their job is to rush into danger and it's a very high risk profession, but we're losing so many police and firefighters because we have a stigma about, about mental health and it's seen as weakness. It's not a weakness. Yes. I mean, if you, if you, if you, God forbid, you know, got the flu or something, you know, more serious, People say, okay, you're sick. You know, a mental illness is, is something also that, that, you know, it's not a weakness of character. And unfortunately, you know, um, that's how it's seen. Now, we've had a lot of actors and, and sports figures that have come out and said, listen, you know, I'm suffering. You know, I, I, I have depression. I have, I have anxiety. I, I have, um, you know, these issues and they're bringing it to the forefront. But, you know, the movie industry needs to, to do a better job. The, 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 um, um, our business community needs to, to do a better job. We really have to get rid of, of, of stigma. And, and I remember on your TED talk, you know, uh, with Josh talking about like a classmate saying, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to be really super famous and you're going to live in a box. <clears throat> That's tremendous stigma. And, and, if, and if someone else had heard that in the room and said, listen, you, this is you, you're 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 being derogatory. You're putting him down mm-hmm. just because he has a disability, and that that is completely unacceptable. You know, maybe Josh, it would have changed his life. You know, yeah. I I just think, and and I and this is what's a generational thing. I I I see more people willing to stand up and say this is wrong, mm-hmm. um, and and I think 
with the entertainment industry and the and, and the graph the, the the you know them shooting for for a for a younger demographic i, I think you're going to see more and more instances of um disability inclusion i think that will impact societal you know attitudes and i think all ships will rise um but you know it's it's an entrepreneurial pursuit i hope this is going to work off work out i i think it's a hugely important you know thing that we're doing that you're doing and and, and so many others in our world um and i hope that we're successful i think we will be thank you so much and uh what one one last question um what what do you think anyone can do not everyone is jay ruderman not everyone is an educator like me what do you think anyone could do the everyman to promote inclusion in their own community well first of all you know social media has changed the game you know everyone has a platform and you know the whole success of having a platform it doesn't have to do with money it has to do with um determination to build a community and the ability to have talent to say something creative um, and to speak out. And, and what I tell people is never be afraid to speak out because mm -hmm. there's so many other people that believe the same things that, that you do. Mm -hmm. And, and um, you know, building an online community um, is so influential. Numbers matter. Um, and, and working with people who are like-minded, who believe in the same thing. I mean, that's how politics, you know, works. And, and I, we're not a political organization um, and we don't aspire to be, we're, 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 we're a, a foundation, but I do believe that whether in the political process or social activism, numbers matter and, and Hollywood pays attention to numbers and our, our politicians pay attention to numbers um, and our businesses pay attention to numbers. We have to find ways to, to unite and, and anyone who can be successful doing that uh, as a YouTuber, as as someone you know, active on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or whatever whatever form they choose, mm -hmm. um, they can become very powerful. Yeah, and, and that that's what I would urge people to do. Thank you so much, Mr. Ruderman. It's been yeah, a real real honor talking to you, and uh, I hope to stay in touch. That'd be great. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye bye. Bye.